Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. It's great to be together, isn't it? And it's summer school, so I hope we have a room full of good students here this morning ready to learn. Anybody got an apple for the teacher? Don't throw it now. I'll take it off you afterwards, maybe. Yeah, and um, teaching isn't easy, is it? Any teachers in the room enjoying your holidays? Yeah, great, got some good news. Three weeks left. And, um, <laughs> but actually, teaching isn't easy, is it really? It reminds me of the story of the teacher who was walking along the corridor one day and um, between classrooms, and she saw the supply teacher, the young supply teacher, who was in helping for a few days. And strangely, he was leaning his head leaning against some of the lockers. And she heard him say, how did you get yourself into this? And feeling sorry for him, she went and approached him and said, are you okay, everything okay? And he said, it will be when I can get this kid out of his locker. (laughs) But actually we're here to... uh, to put ourselves in a position where we can learn. I want to speak to you today about how to be a big-hearted person. And as with all of these, we've got our learning objective on on the blackboard here. And um, I will seamlessly... Nearly, Jane, nearly. (laughs) We were swapping notes on that activity. Our learning objective today is to understand the heart and principles of generosity and to be able to live them out. Here's my big thought for you today. Something I want you to grasp, really, is that generosity is not about what you give. It's about how you live. And that's so important when we understand that it's a heart of generosity that generates any actions, any activities that might make us generous people. And as you know, if you've been with us these last few weeks, we're taking some of the phrases from that book of Proverbs written by Solomon as a collection of wisdom and guidance for normal and practical everyday life. And I want to read just one verse to you from Proverbs 11, verse 25, which tells us that the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, as I am, We need to be reminded sometimes that we're called to live a big-hearted life, to recognise how generous God has been to us and to live that out as his people in his world, able to make a difference in his name. One of the great heroes of our faith in this country was John Wesley, who back in the 18th century founded the Methodist movement and saw a great revival across our land. And this was a great quote that I read from John Wesley, who said that, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can. What a maxim for life. What a way of living life if we have that kind of mindset. And it was the same kind of mindset that Jesus had as he walked to the lands of what we call the Holy Land in his own lifetime, but particularly in his ministry. That's exactly what he did. 
And on one occasion, he sends out his followers to go and make a difference in the communities around them. And he simply summarizes much of what John Wesley said there in this small little phrase in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. Scientists suggest that if you help someone or you give a gift, it can actually be really good for your own health because it releases feel-good chemicals in your body. Chemicals like serotonin, which regulates your mood. So if the person next to you is a bit grumpy, just pray for a release of serotonin at this moment. Or dopamine, which gives you a sense of pleasure. Or oxytocin, which creates a sense of connection with others. In fact, the, the psychologist, the clinical psychologist, Dr. Susan Albers, says this, when we do things for other people, it makes us feel much more engaged and joyful. That's good for our health and our happiness. So often, if you think about it, when we want to feel good, we think about what will make me feel good. We don't think about how can I make someone else feel good, and the byproduct of that is I feel good because we get trapped in our own little world of me, myself, and I. But let's be honest, generosity is something that is in short supply. Forgive the pun. But one of the stories, one of the parables that Jesus tells, because so often as he's teaching the people of his day, he spoke in stories or parables to explain really, really important points that he was trying to get across and one of those is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus had been asked a question, who is my neighbour? And he wants to address that question and he tells a phenomenal parable. And I want to read that to you. It's found in Luke's Gospel in chapter 10, these five verses. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. I think there's some really revealing um, truths in this parable that Jesus teaches. I want to show you three quite quickly. Three ways I think Jesus shows us that so often people respond to the needs that they see around them. And I think these are characteristic even in our culture and our society today, as they clearly were in the day that Jesus taught this. And the first thing is the robbers. 
He's talking about the robbers whose attitude was, who said, what's yours is mine. So they beat this guy up, they leave him for dead, they steal his money, they take from him what they consider of value and they just leave him there. And this is the complete opposite of generosity. It's stealing and taking away from somebody what is not yours. And it's as a result of greed, the greed that wants to possess what somebody else has. In fact, the Proverbs talks about this again in Proverbs 21, where we read this, that some people are always greedy for more money, for more, but the godly love to give. And theft happens in all kinds of ways. Some of us in years gone by have been victims of theft. Amanda and I once had our house broken into when we were at church, actually, and it was an awful experience to come home and find that somebody had been in our home and taken certain things. But modern theft is quite different, isn't it? Ofcom, who's the regulator of all online communications, reported in March of this year that nearly 43 million UK adults have encountered scams online. If you operate in any way online, you probably have come across something that's a scam. Americans over the age of 65 lose $2.9 billion to fraud every year. Theft has become sophisticated. What's yours is mine is no longer just a process of beating someone up. It's more sly and deceitful, but it's nevertheless is an attitude that is the counter of generosity. And some people's attitude is, what's yours is mine. But then Jesus shows us the religious. And the religious that were in this story, they said, what's mine is mine. And we have two examples that we have the priest who might be the modern day pastor. And we have the temple assistant who may be the contemporary church volunteer who when they see someone in need angle to the other side of the road. Now before you're quick to judge them take a moment and think of the times when we have angled to the other side of the road when we could have responded to a need with a hundred excuses going through our minds as why we didn't respond with a big heart in generosity at that moment. And these religious people, of all people, were selfish in that moment. They held on to the very thing that could give help, their time, their compassion, their energy, their support, their help, their money, whatever it was, They were holding on to it, saying, it's mine. And many occasions, Jesus addresses attitudes like that. Now, there's another little story that I think is is pertinent for this in Luke chapter 12, where we read these words, when Jesus is telling another story, another parable. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops and then he said I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods and I'll sit back and I'll say to myself my friend whoever talks himself and says my friend probably the people have got no other friends 
You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink and be merry. And here Jesus is illustrating, somebody says, what's mine is mine. And I'll just build up bigger storage facilities for what I have. I have far more than I'll ever need, far more than I'll ever want. But instead of thinking, how can I bless the poor people in my community? How can I make a difference in someone else's life? This rich fool just built more and more barns. Because for some people, their attitude is, what's mine is mine. Thank you very much. I've worked hard for it and I'll keep it. But then Jesus compares this with the Samaritan who said, what's mine is yours. What I have, I'm willing that you would share. And we all know if you're well-versed in reading the Bible or if you've been around church for any length of time, you'll know that the Samaritans were enemies of the Jews. This was the social enemy of a Jewish person and Jesus uses that, per, that person quite deliberately to say that if the religious person who's your brother in Israel won't help you, then the person who's going to help you seems to be your enemy. This person, this man, was living a big-hearted life, generous with his time, pausing on from his own journey, the busyness of what he was doing to have time for someone else, his own energy to go and to get on his hands and knees, his compassion to use his oil and his wine that he had was carrying for some purpose, and then to take the guy on his own donkey to an inn, make sure he was okay, and to say, you know what, if this costs more than I imagine, I'll pay that too. What's mine is yours. I love how Jesus articulates this in Luke chapter 6 when Luke records what Jesus says. He tells us, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be great. You know, sometimes we often think of generosity as the giving of money and money alone, but it's not. Generosity is an attitude. It's a disposition. In my experience of life with people, those who give don't give always because they have enough to give, but because their hearts are so big to give. Amanda and I could tell many stories of people who've been so kind and generous to us and not always were they people in circumstances that would give them that opportunity. But their hearts are such that whatever their bank balance or their time or their energies that they dispensed so freely to us wasn't because they had abundance of it, but because their hearts were big. You know, when Jesus talks about an example of giving an offering in the temple, and in walks a rich man with a fistful of coins, and the articles that contained the offering were metal. And so he threw his fistful of coins in, making a real racket and a real noise. Hey, everybody, I'm here and here's my offering. But then Jesus compares that with a widow who comes with two small coins. They were called mites. They were so small. And the rattle and the clang of his offering is nothing by comparison with just the little ping of hers as it drops in. But Jesus said she gave more. Because he wasn't measuring it in monetary terms, but in sacrificial giving. 
the rich man, he gave out of an abundance and he could go and get another bag anytime from his storage facility. She gave everything. Because generosity is not measured in how much you give, but how much it costs to give. And that's how Jesus measured generosity. So how do we live a big-hearted life? How can we be generous? Well, let me give you a few suggestions as practical takeaways today. I think the first thing we need to do is learn to model our maker. Because no one has ever been more generous than God himself. He sets the standard of generosity. He doesn't just give He gives more than enough. It is in God's nature to give. It's not a choice God makes. It is a natural expression of who God is. He gives abundantly. He gives lavishly. He gives extravagantly. I want to speak to you if you're a follower of Jesus today and tell you that your source is not your employer. It's God. I've lived my life believing He is my source. Everything I have comes from him. Why? Because the Bible teaches that. James, the brother of Jesus, writes a small little book towards the end of our New Testaments, the natural brother of Jesus. He says this in chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. When I gave my life to Jesus, I gave him everything. I gave him first rights on everything that I have. All of the money in my bank, which is not as much as I'd quite like it to be, if I'm honest, is his. My home is his. My car is his via a leasing company at the moment. That's the attitude I choose to live by. He gets to call on that whenever he needs to use it for somebody else. Whenever he needs to bless and benefit somebody else. And I wonder how willing you and I are to have our hearts stretched by the maker of all things. You know, we say to God, I want to make a difference in the world as long as it doesn't cost me too much of my time, my energy, the use of my skills, making myself available to people or indeed my resources. But you know what we learn about God? For God so loved the world that he gave The second thing I want to encourage you to see and be is be a river, not a reservoir. Every time we come to church, every time I come here, I drive at some point past Frankly Reservoir, either one way or another. And you see that the capture of all that water, but it has no natural outlet. It's just stored up there. It's a place for water sports, which is great, but it has no natural outlet in any kind of way. But a river is a flow of life. A river cuts the way the banks and it cleans itself as it rolls over the stones, but it has an abundance of life within it and its very movement is the giving of its life to its environment, feeding the plants, the water, the water's edge and the trees that reach in for replenishment. And too many people like to hoard what they have instead of giving from themselves. And that's not the life God has called us to as his followers. He's called us to touch and change the world of somebody else. Again, in, in Proverbs for chapter 11, and this is in the message version, 
and you're, you can tell when we read it, but it is quite significant, that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Friends, there is a joy in being generous that you'll never experience by hoarding more. There is a blessing that comes. In fact, in, in the book of Acts, when the, the disciples, Peter, Paul, and, and those people are recording and recounting what happened in, Je in Jesus' ministry, there's one little bit in Acts 20 that says that didn't Jesus say, it's more blessed to give than to receive? Now, I'm resisting speaking too much about our financial giving to our church because I'm not the pastor of the church. But I do want to say this to you, that you know so often we hold on to what we have because we fear that we won't be able to make ends meet. But I want to say to you that not being faithful to God in our giving is not a way to experience blessing. Can I just say to you today, I've got a free hit on this one because if I'm out of order, I won't be saying it in the next service, I can tell you. You do not give to this church. You give to God. The Bible teaches me in the, in the scriptures about giving, I give to God. What I give to this church, when I willingly and joyfully tithe to this church, I'm giving it to God so that his kingdom can come on earth in a greater way. And I'm encouraged every time I hear the stories, Amanda and I have been part of this church, of seeing lives touched, of being at the baptismal service a few weeks ago. But I want to say to you, you're not withholding from the church. You're withholding from God. And generosity starts with our expressions to him. The faith to trust God as our provider is built upon our faithfulness to him. There have been so many times in our life as a couple where we've gone before God and said, Father, we need you in this moment financially. I can tell you lots of stories, but that's for another day. But what I do know is that I've been able to say to him, Father, I have sought to be faithful to you. So I'm trusting your faithfulness to me. And that's when we've seen miracles of provision and blessing in our lives. Which leads on to my final point, which is always the greatest thing a preacher says. <laughs> Make room for more blessing. We don't give to God or others to get money in return but we give to God and others to make room for more in our lives. God is so generous. He chooses to bless us when we're faithful to him. I love the words of King David, who was the greatest king Israel had 800 years or so before the coming of Jesus. King David stands out as, as a generous and a kind and a good king. And he gives so much to other people. If you read the life of David, as I've just been doing through 2 Samuel. And in Psalm 37, as he writes a song, which we have in the Psalms, he says this, I was young and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. God's called us to live a big-hearted life as givers, not takers. People who know that he's the source and it's for him that we give our lives. You know, big-hearted people want to make a difference in the lives of other people around them. 
big-hearted people see the opportunities to be generous and seize them where they can. Big-hearted people trust God to be the provision of all things that we need so that we can bless others. In this series, because it's summer school, we're dishing out some homework. We're not marking it because we know some of you will be in detention otherwise. But there's a couple of things I want to suggest that may be some takeaways for you. One is a, a book you can read, and Andy has put this out on our social media feeds, and that's a book written by Robert Morris, who's pastor of Gateway Church in America, called The Blessed Life. I think it could really speak into your life because it's all about how to live generously, and you might want to get that book and read it. It's an excellent book. But I want to suggest three things for you as we begin to wrap up this morning that you can take away. I want you to think... Pray and act. Think, pray and act. I want to go away from today and think about someone you could be generous to this week. Some situation you'd be willing to be generous in. And then I want you to pray that God would open up the opportunity so that you could do that. To, to make it possible that you come across their path and you could in some way, it doesn't have to be a huge way, but in some way express generosity to them. But also want to encourage you to do it. Because sometimes we think about things and we pray about things and then the opportunity comes and we cross onto the other side of the road. I want to encourage you to seize the opportunity. Do you know what always stirs me to think about the importance of seeking to live generously is when I realise how generous God has been to me. How generous his love has been in my life and his kindness, his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. When I think of all the blessings of a, of a family that I'm blessed to be part of, when I think of a church that today is a blessing to me and to, to Amanda and to my family. When I think of that kind of generosity, it makes me say, God, I want to give my life away for others because you did that for me. You know, when God looked at a broken humanity, he said this, what's mine is yours. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What's mine, God said, is yours. And throughout the whole of my life, I've lived under that generosity. God daily saying to me, Stuart, what's mine is yours. And that's what he's asked me to live like too. Every blessing from God is given so that we could give away. Freely you've received, people. Freely give. You may never have known what it is to experience God's love. Um, if you're watching in online or you're in the room with us here today and you've never known the generosity of God in giving your heart and life to Jesus. You know, to experience the greatest generosity of God, you've got to be willing to lay down yourself. And then you experience his ability to give in ways beyond measure 
to give the gift of eternal life, to give forgiveness, to give hope and peace and joy in the middle of our crisis. Our lives won't suddenly clean up of difficulties and challenges, but we find in the middle of all of that a God who's with us, generous every day of our lives with His goodness and His protection and His kindness. And I'm going to pray just now. And if you're watching us and you're here or here in this room and you've never, ever done that, I want to encourage you just to simply say, God, I give my life to you so that in exchange I might receive your life, which is far better and far greater. Shall we just pray together for a moment? Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus and we're so grateful that your generosity has known no bounds to us. You've expressed your generosity in your kindness in sending Jesus to be our Saviour. And you've expressed your generosity in daily being the portion of our strength and our hope and our joy and our peace, even amidst all the kinds of things that we find challenging about life. And you're a good, good Father and a generous God. And you're good in all of your ways to us. And I pray for anybody who's watching us today from their home, from wherever they're watching it, either live or maybe on catch-up at some point, that you'll speak to them now in the name of Jesus and let them know you have so much you want to bless their life with. May they just surrender to you or anybody in the room here. Pray that they would today know what it is to take that next step and surrender to Jesus. We give you thanks as we declare today your goodness and your kindness and generosity to us. In Jesus' name, amen.